Hunt, fish, listen, repeat. Broadcasting from the Camp Grilling Studios, this is Sporting Journal Radio. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. That's a new personal best pike here. Now here's your host, Brett Amundsen. All right, welcome to the show. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for tuning in on this station right here by downloading the podcast or maybe you follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. Thank you for joining us. We've got a great show. We're up in northern Saskatchewan right now. We'll talk about Big Fish with Dina Vick and Jason Halfin. Uh, they're going to join us to talk about their experience and what they do in the outdoor industry, King Eider Communications, and the technological angler. Also, Eric Osberg from Otter Tail Lakes Country will join us with a report from his neck of the woods. And Joe Henry as well. He's going to be here in just a second talking about uh, what's going on up at Lake of the Woods uh, right now. Big fish being caught and also a lot of water and it hasn't been going down. We're going to find out what the situation is like here in just a second. Dan Amundsen joins us. Dan, who are, who are our sponsors this week? That's a tough sentence for you. But our sponsors this week are Habel Heights Campground and Resort on Devil's Lake. Book a trip to Devil's Lake. Learn more at HabelHeights.com. Ottertail Lakes Country. Find your inner otter at OttertailLakesCountry.com. Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital of the world. Plan a trip for this summer at Lake of the Woods. MN.com. Camp Grayling. Catch the Grand Slam. Lake Trout Pike. Grayling and Walleye Fish Camp Grayling this summer. On X. Nor you stand with On X. Mid-Migration Outfitters, come hunt waterfall this fall out of heated 10-man pits and comfortable blinds. Learn more at midmigrationoutfitters.com and Prairie Sportsman. The new season just wrapped up. Watch episodes anytime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel or check your TV guide for local air times. Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism joins us right now to talk about that big walleye factory in northern Minnesota. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing good. Well, you guys sure hang out with some good people. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. I can't really complain. Well, I can complain about some of them, but <laughs> I won't. No, it's well, uh, you know what? It's don't, been don't, good. Don't give your nephew a hard time with sitting next to you. I mean, don't give him too much a hard time. He'll give it right back. I know him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're we're a little ways away from from Minnesota right now. Where we're at, it's been uh, uh, lows in the forties. It was a little cool last night. Had a fire going in the cabin. Uh, but I heard it's been pretty warm and stormy. Actually, I got a message. I think our power at my house was out again here the other day. That's, I think that's the fourth time or something in the last month, month and a half. Uh, it's been kind of kind of wet and stormy back in Minnesota, it sounds like, Joe. Well, you know, you know, it's, it's summertime, and you get those storms popping up when it gets hot, and, you know, it, it's just kind of normal summer pattern. But, you know, I'll tell you this. We, uh, you know, we've, as people know, we've had a very high water year up at Lake of the Woods, and We've had some record-breaking water levels, and I will say this: our resorts are uh, some of our resorts are experiencing damage. They've sandbagged. They've done different things. The vast majority of our resorts at Lake of the Woods are open, and the fish has been great. And uh, I want to I want to emphasize that because you know these resorts, as hard as they have to work sandbagging and doing all these extra efforts, they they still need their customers to come up and support them because they're going to the extra efforts to make sure docks are available. They're getting you on charter boats. They're making it so boat axes are available. They're doing the extra effort so you can access that walleye fishery that we talk about so uh, fondly. It's a lot of work to run a resort as it is, let alone what Mother Nature throws at you every once in a while. So uh, I feel for those guys. It seems like, man, some of these resorts just uh, can't get a break the last few years. But uh, the the beauty of it there at Lake of the Woods, at least, is the fishing is always going to be good. Uh, so people are going to come up there and fish and support those guys. And you were up there recently filming a TV show? You know, I was, yeah. So, we, you know, uh, Larry Smith 
is somebody who has a television show. He's based out of Wisconsin, but his shows air nationwide on many different networks. And, you know, he's, he's just, uh, you know, Larry Smith is a kind of guy, Brett, that, uh, you know, Larry? Yeah, I know Larry. Yep, absolutely. Brett, you know Larry? Yep, I do. Yep. So, you know, uh, Larry, Larry is a, he's a hardworking guy and I, I really appreciate about him. You know, he's a, he's a farmer. He has a farm. He, uh, he guides full time and he films 52 shows a, a year. Wow. 52 shows a year. That's a lot. So, I mean, he, he's after it, but he's a very down to earth, fun guy. And, uh, I sure enjoy fish with them, you know, because of his character and his morals and things. But you know, uh, we went on fishing on Lake of the Woods and we shot two shows. And the first one we shot was on a charter boat on the south end of Lake of the Woods, just to kind of show the charter fishing experience. And it was kind of interesting, you know, uh, I didn't know if I should run the charter boat myself or get a guide, you know, just so I could focus on the show. And we ended up getting a captain and, and that takes the pressure off a little bit, you know, but I'll tell you what we ended up doing is we ended up going up north a little bit and we ended up fishing some shallow water to start out with. There were fish on sandbars that were four to 15 feet of water. And they were feeding on, uh, you know, emerald shiners and different minnows and things that were that were spawning up on that sand, drifting and digging. And then, of course, we went over to uh, uh, another spot that was more shallow rocks and found some fish up there. And then uh, we ended up going down by the Morris Point Gap on the south end, kind of by Pine Island. And uh, there were fish, you know, in, in that sand, in that shallow water in about uh, 12 to 15 feet of water. So you know, we found fish in a few different areas and we caught them both jigging and you know, pulling spinners. So really a great charter trip. Of course, we, we by the end of the day, that cooler walleyes looked really good. And uh, we just had a lot of fun. They have big boats and, you know, all the rods, reels, tackle are all provided for you. Charter captain puts you on the fish and they even clean them for you at the end of the day. So pr pretty good day. And then uh, we we, uh, we ended up going up to the Northwest Angle. Uh, we used Larry boat, Larry's boat and we shot across that 42 miles of Big Traverse Bay. And we stayed up at a Northwest Angle Resort and did some fishing up there. And, uh, you know, Brent, we ended up, uh, of course, catching our walleyes up there. Man, we caught them right away. We, uh, we ended up jigging in an area they called Flag Island Flats. And it's kind of a shallower area that the current's rolling through. And again, there was spawning uh, minnows up there. There's emerald shiners and even perch minnows that were spawning. So the walleyes were pretty thick. And, and I tell you, we could have had multiple numbers of walleyes that day. And they were nice, just literally anchored over the side of the, anchored up and in this case, spot locked to the trolling motor and fishing over the side of the boat. And then of course, uh, we, we went casting. We wanted to make a little bit of a multi-species show. So we thought we'd go casting for pike and, and muskies and bass and stuff. Real windy day. So we went to the leeward side of some of the different islands up there. In this case, Oak and Flag. And man, we thought it was going to be a slam day. Right away, I, uh, I caught a nice smallmouth. I, uh, I I had a muskie, probably a 35-inch muskie, that uh, took off after my bait. We could see it following it. It hit it. It pushed it forward. I set the hook. I couldn't get a, hook, a good hook set. In uh, two cranks, it got off, which is unfortunate. But then I had another big fish hook, probably a big pike, and that, that got off. Uh, yes, I had him two cranks on that one. Didn't see what it was, but I think it was probably a pike. But then after that, Brett, we fished all the shallow water for, for probably four or five hours. And really didn't catch much. We were absolutely amazed because it looked so good. Talking to some of the guides and some of the resorts, when some of those big fish spawn, they slide into that deeper water. They hang out there for a couple of weeks, and then they infiltrate the shallows like there's no tomorrow. Well, I'm talking to a lot of the customers that were at the resort. They were catching these pike and muskies while they're walleye fishing out in deeper water. So that was kind of the code. 
Well, then we heard, you know, the next day that uh, we, we heard that some of the people fishing in some of these areas that were a little bit shallower and the walleyes were biting and the minnows were spawning, that there was some pike mixed in up there. So we decided the next day to hit that, one of the areas we caught walleyes in in shallow water and pull crankbaits. And you know what? We started pulling cranks right away. I had probably an eight-pound pike. We got a bunch of walleyes, and then bang, I got a good fish on. Long story short, I got a monster pike. And uh, we didn't have a net because we had carried the walleyes in from the live well in the net to the fish cleaning house the night before. <laughs> of course. And you can imagine our net was in the fish cleaning house. So Larry had to grab this fish, but after a, a strong, strong fight, lots of runs, we got this fish in, and I don't know if the fish was 44 inches. I don't know if it was 48 inches. We didn't take the time to measure it because after filming it and everything else, we just wanted to get that fish back healthy, which we did. But now I'm always going to wonder how big that fish was because yeah. it was a freaking giant. That's awesome. So uh, you think it was a personal best, Joe? Oh, it was a personal best. Yeah, yeah. It was It was between 44 and 48 inches, and uh, it had a huge back on it. I mean, it was a big fish. Well, that makes up so, a little you know bit. What? Yeah, that makes up a little bit for losing the muskie then. Yeah, well, the muskie was about 35 inches. We saw that one clear as day, so that wasn't as quality of a fish. But, sure. you know, this this pike, I'll tell you what. When you see when you see this thing on video, Brett, it's a it's a big fish, and that back and that back was so big I couldn't even I couldn't even try to get my hand around it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, congrats on the big pike. Obviously, walleye fishing is good up there in, uh, in shallow water too. It's always neat to find them there. And Joe, if people want to plan a trip to Lake of the Woods and get up there yet this summer or start thinking about a winter trip, what should they do? You know what? Hey, check out our website, and that is Lake of the Woods MN. Com. All right. Thank you, Joe. Dina Vick from King Eider Communications coming up. Also, uh, Eric Osberg with the Nottertail Lakes Country Report and the technological angler, Jason Halfen. They're going to talk about their experience up here at Tazin Lake Lodge. It's uh, Brett Amundsen and Dan Amundsen up here in northern Saskatchewan on Sporting Journal Radio. Northern Minnesota's Walleye Factory is a year-round world-class fishing destination. The perfect getaway this summer is just a short drive to Lake of the Woods. Fish Big Traverse Bay, the Rainy River, or visit the unique Northwest Angle. To catch big fish, you have to go where the big fish are. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. That's lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Broadcasting from the Camp Grayling Studios, this is Sporting Journal Radio. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. from Ottertail Lakes Country. Well, as summer rolls on, uh, the lakes start to change. Fish are on the move. Different patterns are emerging. Weeds are growing. And it can get a little bit tough to find walleyes as those weed beds start to grow up, particularly on some of those smaller bodies of water, maybe the shallower ones. Uh, it can be tricky finding those walleyes. And to learn a little bit more about how you can catch walleyes in the weeds, Eric Osberg from Ottertail Lakes Country joins us here. Eric, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Brett? Not too bad. It's summer. Weather's are weather is is warm. Like I, I never really liked summer that much because I don't really like hot temperatures. I don't like it when it's real, real warm. And where I grew up fishing, the way the we, the lakes would get so weedy that I would give up on walleye fishing because I would struggle with it. But obviously, I was not very good at it because there's ways to catch those fish. Well, it's 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 uh, it's all relative, right? Um, 
I, I, I target weeds in the summertime. Um, and, and there's good weeds and there's bad weeds and, and cabbage is, is a fairly widely known weed. If you can find a good cabbage bed, I, I believe that walleye spend a lot of time in that, in those weeds. And, and, and my logic behind it is those weeds produce oxygen and that oxygen produces life and it might be microscopic life and little life brings big life and, and, you know, little big fish eats little fish. And, and so a lot of times when a wall, when I'm targeting walleyes, I'm trying to find actively feeding walleyes. Now this doesn't mean that they're in the weeds all day long every day or actively feeding for that matter. But if you can find a good cabbage bed, um, I, I would be willing to bet that, that there might be some walleyes in it. So the step one is finding the right weeds, the, the good stuff, the green stuff, the cabbage stuff. And then, and then from there, you can kind of adjust your presentation. So once you find them, what are you doing to try to get down into the weeds or on top of the weeds or how, where, where are you going to try to target them? And what are you going to use so that you don't reel up a bunch of weeds every time? Well, <laughs> you might reel up a few weeds once in a while. But uh, one of my favorite methods is an eighth ounce black hair jig. I don't, I don't know why black. I, I, it's just, but that eighth ounce, that's, I think, what the key is, is not a quarter ounce or, or heavier, but an eighth ounce. And, and what we'll do sometimes, even if, if somebody's in the boat and they're casting something, like somebody can be in the front of the boat bass fishing, and I'll be in the back of the boat, and we're just moving along at half a mile an hour. It doesn't really matter, but somewhere between a half and one mile an hour. And I'll just throw that 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 black hair jig behind us, and then I'll just like I'm trolling with it. I'm just holding on, and you give it a twitch every once in a while. And so that black hair jig is just kind of undulating through the water, and then boom, you'll get you'll get hit. And it, it might be a bass, it might be a crappie, but but sometimes it's a weed. Another another thing I like to do. And this is the the opposite of that. Um, the other thing I like to do with that black hair jig is just cast it up. You know, if I'm off the break, I'll cast it up into the weeds and I'll just try to float it, swim it through. And again, it's light enough that you can kind of feel, okay, that's a weed. And you just kind of get it. Okay, now it's free and it flows. Um, the other thing I like to do is the, the, the other end of the spectrum is a heavy three-eighths ounce jig. Yeah, there's there you go. Dan is so good at this. He found a picture of a hair jig. It's a black. That's an eighth ounce black hair jig inside of a walleye. Dan gets a gold star for today. Um, <laughs> and the other thing I like to do is take a three eighth ounce jig and and put some type of plastic, whatever plastic you're partial to, whether it's a fluke, a paddle tail, a moxie, uh, something that looks like a minnow, so a silver, a gray, a white. And, and what you're doing with that is you are aggressively ripping that. You're like ripping it through the weeds. So you're casting it up there and you're letting it sink and then you give it a big old rip. And then, you know, it falls again and you give it a big old rip. Um, so you, you, you are making contact with the weeds, but you're kind of, you get weeds every once in a while. But, but those are two different styles. And if, if we have time for a third, you bet. Uh, a crankbait. As, as as frustrating as pulling a crankbait sounds, if you can find... Now you're talking crazy. You know, let's say you're in 16, 16 17 <laughs> feet of water and you got good cabbage up to like, you know, halfway up, seven, eight, nine feet, whatever. You, you're pulling a crankbait over top of those weeds, not necessarily through those weeds. And um, 
and I, I believe the walleyes live in those weeds, and they, they hear or see that crankbait, and they, they can't resist, and they come up and smack it. And There you go. That yeah. is a, a crankbait walleye over the weeds. Now, is that at night, or is that just evening? That, or? that was that was probably late, late night. Um, I don't know, and I don't think it was moon-related. I think it was just um, – I, I think it was just – I wanted to go out fishing at night, and that's the only time I had time to do it. But, uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do is to pull great, pull cranks over the top of weeds. So I'm not – if I'm in 17 feet of water, I'm not necessarily trying to get to 17 feet. I'm, I'm paying more attention to what depth – where do the weeds top out, and, and I'm trying to kind of go over the top of that. When you were throwing or dragging that, I guess when you're dragging that hair jig through the weeds, are you trying to bounce it on the bottom or are you trying to keep that kind of suspended in the weeds a little bit? I'm trying to keep it suspended. Good question though. I'm, 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 I'm swimming it through, you know, so, and with the, so the answer is through the weeds, not necessarily down on the bottom. Most, and again, I'm not a biologist, but fish, if, if I have a choice between having my bait or my lure above a fish or below a fish, nine times out of ten, I will defer to above a fish, right? If you just look at the way a fish's head is built, I mean, their eyeballs are, you know, their eyeballs are here, and they can see things above them. And and I believe that, and, and that's kind of the ice fishing mentality, right? Like, you see a, a, a mark on your graph, you're trying to stay above it. So if I'm using an eighth ounce jig and swimming it through the weeds or a, even a three eighths ounce jig and ripping it through the weeds, I'm, I'm paying less attention to the bottom as I am what I'm feeling at the end of my rod to make sure that I'm getting the, uh, getting through the weeds clean. If that makes sense. I was going to say, it's amazing how much that hair in the water looks like, looks like a minnow, you know, or it looks like bait, looks like uh, some, some sort of forage, which is obviously the idea behind it. But when you look at a hair jig dry and out of the water, you're like, why would a fish want this? And then when you see it swimming or you see it underwater, it has that profile. And uh, we were talking to Randon Olson about hair jigs as well. And sometimes he said he'll put like a real tiny little paddle tail on there. So that I'm sure then that will give you that profile and also that little thump. So the, the fish can, can feel that jig coming around yep. and hear that jig coming around as well. Yep. And I, I, I remember I was, I, I don't know if I can mention a competitor on your show, but I remember watching Jason Mitchell oh, sure. and Jason Durham from, from go fish guide service up in park rapids and they were using hair jigs for smallmouth bass. And and the advice, and I don't remember which Jason it was, but they said most people when they use a hair jig, they overwork it. They're they're over twitching it or they're trying to keep it swimming or whatever. If again, back to the just dragging it behind the boat, sure, I'll twitch it every once in a while. But you're exactly right, Brett. That that hair in the water just naturally kind of goes like that. Mm-hmm. And and it tickles their fancy, if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's great stuff. Uh, I'm going to go fish a lot more weed beds this year. And I'm going to, you know, that's both you and Rannon have been talking a lot about hair jigs lately. And Dan, weren't we just talking about hair jigs here the other day, too? Somebody was making fun of me for fishing them or something. Might have been me. Well, probably. But I just make fun of Dan because it's fun to make fun of him. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's and there's so many ways to do it, right? And so many. <laughs> I, I I will I'll I'll tie on a I'll tie on a hair jig in the spring, and I'll fish it all summer long. I, yeah. I really and they're kind of popular in the spring and they're kind of popular in the fall, but I always have, not always, but ninety seven percent of the time I have a hair jig tied up on a rod because if something else ain't working that that always might i'm gonna have to stock up on some hair jigs and try that this year give it a shot eric where can we find out more about ottertail lakes country you could visit ottertaillakescountry.com and you just might find your inner otter did you know there are more than 1,000 lakes in ottertail county yep and i'm gonna fish as many as i can i'm an outdoorsy otter nothing beats a full day of fishing for me the lakes of Ottertail County give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch. Not an outdoorsy otter? No problem. Ottertail County has something for everyone. You just need to find your inner otter. To find your inner otter, go to ottertaillakescountry.com. Broadcasting from the Camp Grayling Studios, this is Sporting Journal Radio. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. Well, we're in the boat here at Tazan Lake Lodge with uh, Dina Vick from King Eider Communications. Dina, what do you think of Tazan so far? Oh, it's amazing. I love it. It's uh, it's it's a little bit of travel to get up here, but that's because it's it's a long ways. You're going a long ways to get up here, but uh, but it's worth it. Oh yeah, I think I took six planes to get here. <laughs> yeah, it takes a little bit of work, but um, is it what you expected it to be? It's more. It's it's more. I mean, it's. I don't think I expected it to be so pretty, you know, all the landscape and. I mean, I expected big fish, but I don't think I expected to, you know, wake up every morning with a, you know, that beautiful bay and and just the trees and everything. And uh, you got to do some fishing. You got to uh, catch your first lake trout. Yes. Tell me about that experience. Um, I don't know. It was cool. It was uh. Not what I expected either. I've been chasing little trout around all year. And, um, you know, it's big fish and they fight. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I probably, I'm not going to say I'm not happy about the other one, but that one probably would have made my trip. What other one are you talking about? Just a little fish I caught. Right. Tell me about catching that lake trout. Wow. Those, those trout are tricky. I mean, they, I think they hid from me all week long, you know, I mean, and, and with that one, I don't know if you guys heard Barry and I cracking up laughing. Oh, yeah, we, we could hear it. <laughs> I think they could hear it in Alberta. <laughs> because it kept messing with us. It's like, I think it, it hit it, thought it was on, then it was off, then maybe it was on. And then we both just kind of sat there like, oh, well, and then I went, wait a minute. I think that's kind of, you know, I don't think that's bottom. He said, no, it's bottom. And I went, I don't know. And boom, I was like, I don't think it's bottom. So I didn't know it'd be that big, though. It was a big fish. We filmed it for Taz and TV. You'll be able to watch it. And uh, before that, you hooked into a different big fish out there. What happened with that one? Which one? Where the reel came out. Oh, my God. Yeah. Maybe that one was the record. Could have been. Yeah, I got really excited. Finally had it on there and reeling, and he's getting out the net, and the reel fell off. So <laughs> next thing you know, he's got the reel. I've got the rod, and we actually thought we could pull that off. And I went, I don't think this is going to work. So we stopped, put it back on, and, and lost him. I have since been given a tip, said that I should have opened the bale, 
let the fish run hmm. while we put it back on and mm -hmm. then hopefully it would still be on there so if it happens again maybe well, well hopefully it doesn't happen again <laughs> no it shouldn't kind of always check occurrence. your equipment i yeah. should have i should have known i've got a nervous habit of tightening down that uh getting the reel tight on the on the rod constantly it's uh it's almost like muscle memory now mm -hmm. uh, for me but i've had to do that uh one year when we were up here filming taz and tv trevor's rod actually broke oh. at the reel seat i think it was the first year i think it was with northland outdoors the first year we filmed up here and uh so i had to reel with just the reel in my hand uh-huh and trying to reel in uh you know 35 pound lake trout with no rod it's uh, it's an interesting experience so he worked the rod he'd pull the fish up and then i'd reel the rod down and he'd pull it up and reel it down and we landed it i'm not quite sure how but uh but it all worked out so um trip's not over yet you still got a chance for for another big fish uh you've caught a lot of fish if somebody said if somebody asked you, you know, should I book a trip to Taz and TV or why, or Taz and TV, to Taz and Lake Lodge, or why should I book a trip up there, what would you tell them? Um, I think it's just the entire experience. I mean, one, yes, you can catch massive fish. You can get your personal best over and over again and keep beating it while you're here. But like I said, the beauty. I mean, I haven't seen a moose yet, but I've seen a bear, you know, it's just the lichen and the trees and the you know it's just i don't know it's so much more than fishing i know people don't want to hear that <laughs> but it really is yeah it you know it is obviously you come here for the fishing everything else is a bonus but mm -hmm. it's a pretty nice bonus and we there were two bears actually after that lunch and uh -huh. one of them was a cinnamon bear and the black bear we figure it was a it was a sow and maybe like a two-year-old cub that was with her and I didn't see the, the mom, but I guess she was huge. That's what they said. And then the cinnamon was a pretty big bear as it was. But I'd never seen a, a cinnamon like that in, in the wild. In the wild, crikey. <laughs> uh, a brown phase, you know, a cinnamon color phase black bear. That was kind of cool to see. And it came in mm -hmm. right after we had shore lunch. And as soon as we got in the boat and we were leaving, the two bears walked in, whether it was coincidental. I'm guessing they smelled us and they were on their way so. and they were just waiting for us to leave. But, uh, but that's cool, and we might see a moose yet. They've seen a couple of moose since we've been up here. Um, so we'll, maybe we'll go on a moose hunt today. That'd be cool. Try to find one. So uh, you're busy this summer, a lot of travel. After this trip, you're gonna be going to Florida right. for some little event that takes place. ICAST 22. What are, what are we gonna see at ICAST this year? Well, a lot of new products. I mean, a lot. I mean, last year was the first year after the online edition because of COVID. And so we, we got to see a lot, but now I think as, as you know, things are recovering and manufacturers are able to get more and more of their product in, I think it's gonna be a big year. I think we're gonna see a lot of really cool things. Do we have any, do we know anything yet of what we might see down there? Is there any, any teases we can give to people? Let's see, uh, Shimano's got a, a lot of fun and exciting uh, new products, rods, reels. Um, baits. I know uh, we're going to be talking about World Pop there, um, which has some interesting, cool new technology in it. Um, let's see, we've got a, we're going with Ocean Waves glasses, which I'm wearing. Um, Pro Control Motors, which is a new electric trolling motor that can be fitted on the, the bow or the transom, which is really neat. Um, Smith's Consumer Products, we've been using that a lot while we've been here um they've got new fish bags and tools and ice fishing kit which is 
kind of neat. I'm excited about that. Um, I'm looking see. forward to it, except I'm not sure I'm looking forward <laughs> to Florida in July. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. But I'll tell you, they. Um, I was warning Dan. I said, you know, Monday it's hot in that convention center, but then it starts by Tuesday. You might need a jacket, and by Friday it is cold in there. So you're outside and it's muggy and hot, and then you're inside and you're really cold. Yeah, but your cold and our cold <laughs> might be two different things. No, but I figured something out. You know, I've been cold a lot in the mornings my window has been open the entire time oh, and i did well, not know it a little fresh air yeah that'll cool things off a little bit yes did you close the window i did but it doesn't matter because i'm not there now no. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. i couldn't understand why every morning it was so cold but that's why my window was open well, it's been cool i mean there's definitely a, a cooler weather pattern taking place there was some 90 degree temps before uh before we got here when they came to open up the camp and ever since then it's been I think we maybe touched 70 a couple of times. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's been 60s. And I think today forecast is for low 60s, which which is, I mean, I'd like 70 would be nice. It would be nice to warm the water up a little bit. The fish have been just a little bit slow. But uh, back home, they've got 90s and 100s. And uh, for us back in Minnesota, I mean, we get some warm temps in the summertime. But for extended period of time like it's been this year, I, I'm glad I'm not there. Oh, Arkansas <laughs> no had a heat wave. I mean, they've had heat index of over a hundred the whole time and i was in montana before i came here and i've been dressed like this while everyone over there is just complaining about the heat so this has been great now i i have never done any uh saltwater fishing at all um it's never like i'm a, a, a it's never been a big thing for me like oh i gotta go fish saltwater but why should i be ex why should i get excited about fishing down there if we go fishing well you're excited about fishing here because of these big fish right well, yeah, you imagine course. ocean fish i oh, know you can't <laughs> <laughs> no it's a it's just a different experience i mean are we gonna fish for tarpon down there i hope so okay yeah well, i'd like I, to I see get you get a tarpon about, i could get excited about tarpon fishing uh-huh Okay. All right. So that's ICAST. That'll be in July. There's going to be some new products. Maybe do a little bit of fishing, and then uh, and then what else do you got? You got planned for this year? Uh, I've got to get back up to. Uh, well, I guess before I do that, Branson for a glow. Oh yeah. Which hopefully you guys are going to be there, and uh, hopefully we'll get in some smaller trout fishing and some teal hunting, and um, then I've got to get back up to Nebraska and South Dakota. I've got to go get my. Uh, brown trout to finish my uh, trout slam up there in Nebraska. You should explain to people what, I mean, we've talked about a glow obviously a lot on this show, but mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a writer's group essentially, but really it encompasses all creative aspects of, uh, of the outdoor world. So like radio guys, podcast guys, TV, mm -hmm. uh, print, digital, the whole works. It's for outdoor creators, right? Right. And, yeah. and what, what do, why, if somebody watching this is a writer or a, a podcaster or whatever, why should they join a GLOW? A uh, couple of reasons. One, networking. I mean, it's one of the best organizations I've been a part of uh, for networking. Um, just to, to meet people, make connections. You know, you may be a writer uh, and you're looking for a place to publish or a photographer. And, you know, you're gonna, you'll meet um, editors other creators you can learn you know you may have podcasters there that are trying to figure out some new ways to do things and you know we help each other out uh, we do have educational seminars while we're there but we spend a lot of time uh, also you know experiencing the outdoors and getting material for stories and learning about places like Tazan. I mean that's where I first heard about it um, 
so yeah, it's a, it's just a good organization to be a part of. And we get to go to places like Branson and yeah, and uh, Michigan. We were in Michigan last year, Gaylord, Michigan. Yeah. Um, so so check that out. All right. So we got to get back to fishing. Okay. And uh, you've caught uh, a couple personal best personal best pike and lake trout, right? I did. All right. And was it? Uh, which was heavier, the amount of food you've eaten from Steve or the <laughs> amount of fish that you've caught so far? Uh, maybe the food. Steve's amazing. Yeah, food's yeah. really good. Yeah, did you see what we got? Because I, I just found out the other day you're not eating what we're eating. Right, yeah. <laughs> did you see the we get the We get the staff meals, which are still pretty good, but you guys get the, the real nice uh, fancy food. Did you get the strawberry cake? W uh, I don't think we got the strawberry oh, cake. Oh my gosh. Maybe. Yeah, you have to see the pictures of that. Okay. All right. Uh, well, Dina Vic, uh, good luck the rest of the trip up here, and thanks for being on the show. Thank you. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Devil's Lake is legendary, and this summer has been legendary for walleyes. Don't miss out. Call Haybell Heights Campground and Resort today to book one of their modern cabins on East Bay. The cabins are furnished with a full bathroom, kitchen, and all the amenities like high-speed internet and are clean following CDC guidelines. Staying at Haybell Heights gives you full access to a private boat launch, fish cleaning station, and beach area. Learn more at haybellheights.com. That's haybellheights.com. Plan your trip to legendary Devil's Lake today. from the Camp Grayling Studios. This is Sporting Journal Radio. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. All right, who are you? Jason Helfen. Jason, what do you do? I'm the technological angler. What does that mean? So the business is all about teaching anglers to leverage the high, techno the high technology tools that they have in their boat to help them find and catch more fish. Okay, how did you get into that? Uh, it's a long story. I'll give you the short version. All right. Uh, about 10 years ago, I had a chance to start working with uh, Humminbird and Minkota right around the time they were coming out with uh, side imaging as a way to help people catch more fish. Oh, really? And started developing instructional products to help people get as much from their fish finder as they possibly could. Uh, that kind of blossomed into... Uh, a business where now we travel around most of the upper Midwest uh, training people to use their fish finders. We have uh, instructional videos, little uh, on-the-water cheat sheets that we that we make and update and sell and really it's all about helping people learn or harness to use the power within their fish finder so that they can find and catch more fish and have fun on the water every day. You're from Wisconsin? Uh, you yeah, in Wisconsin? I lived in Wisconsin for the last 25 years. I grew up in Chicago, but I left there when I was in my 20s, so I kind of feel like, you know, I'm much better now. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. How's the fishing over there in uh, western Wisconsin? Uh, pretty good. You know, we have, uh, we have decent walleye fishing, uh, really good pan fishing, really good bass fishing, and, and lots of really broad multi-species opportunities. We've got big rivers with channel cats and flathead catfish. We've got uh, small cold water fisheries. We've got cool stocked 
trout fisheries where the DNR will come in in the fall and plant a bunch of broodstock mm -hmm. trout. And really that's a fantastic ice fishing opportunity for us. We can go out and ice fish, you know, 18 to 20 inch brook trout and rainbow trout and things like that. And that's just something that you wouldn't normally think of when you think about Western Wisconsin, but we've got that too. I'm gonna start the motor, so you're gonna have to deal with some motor noise here, but uh, stream trout are great. Have you done much lake trout fishing? This is really, the, up here at Tazan Lakes, really my first opportunity to chase these larger lake trout, that's for sure. Certainly with the kind of tackle we're using. I've been out on Lake Superior a couple times in a, you know, in a charter boat and things like that, downriggers, real heavy, you know, heavy tackle. Not that this isn't heavy tackle, but it's definitely a different experience when you're fishing in a small boat, uh, hand-holding the rods, kind of puts you in direct contact with that fish all the time. Did you know that there were lake trout that get this big? Uh, only from pictures and videos right here from Tazam Lake, that's for sure. <laughs> so you watch Tazam TV? Yeah, actually we uh, started watching it uh, last winter and have had a chance to digest, I think, all the episodes so far. Nice. So it's, uh, you know, had, really had a good idea about what we we're getting into coming up here and now just happy to be happy to be part of it. And you're working with Dina Vick? Working with Dina Vick, yep. So we, uh, we run a um, kind of fishing uh, public relations business uh, that's called King Eider Communications. And so Dina and I had worked in a bunch of different contexts over the years and a couple years ago decided the time was right for us to start a business of our own. All right, we're marking a fish down there right now. We're fishing at about 90 feet of water we're trolling at, uh, we're going a little fast right now, just over two miles an hour. We're gonna try to drop her down to about one, one five to one eight, most likely. And we've got some uh, uh, swim baits on right now that uh, have been popular for us up here this year. So when you, I mean, you'd watch Taz and TV, so you'd seen how we fish for these lake trout up here, but is this kind of what you imagined we'd be doing, or did you think we'd be jigging or casting? Or Well, of course, there's, a, there's so many different ways to target these fish. Obviously, on a, on a nice calm day, I think a guy might try to jig, right? But in terms of covering water, because these fish are, you know, congregating around such huge pieces of water, gigantic underwater structure, certainly trolling seems like the way to cover as much water as you can during the day and get your bait in front of as many active fish as you can during the day. That shallow water, that sand, it's, uh, and the water is so clear, it's neat when you can see them swimming, swimming around your feet a little bit when you're out there fishing from the shoreline. Yeah, oh, exactly. Actually, last night I had a couple of lake trout come in uh, so close to shore that I could have tapped their noses with the rod tip. I mean, there they were. And it, it made me think of, you know, like the sunnies that we have back home that just kind of cruise around along the shoreline and by the docks. Uh, but these lake trout weren't, they weren't shy, that's for sure. They certainly didn't react, you know, negatively to me. They didn't scurry off into the distance or something like that. They just kept on swimming on their merry way. They're so much fun, you know, even the small ones, they put up such a good fight. You know, people talk about smallmouth being pound for pound the toughest fighters or maybe a rainbow trout or whatever, but man, I think it'd be hard, it'd be hard to, uh, it'd be hard to beat a, a lake trout. Yeah, I, oh, I, I agree. Uh, you know, it's fish that we've been catching in abundance this week, kind of that four to six or four to eight pound class, and they pull hard, <laughs> that's for sure. So strong and trying to hold them. Trying oh, to hold yeah, one? forget it. I mean, half the time. I mean, we catch we catch a lot of them, so we don't always take them out for pictures or whatever. But 
Uh, part of that reason is just because they're so hard to hold when yep. you take them out of the yep. water. They're squirming, they're strong, like the whole body is like one muscle, muscle I feel yep. like. Well, what do you think about uh, the scenery? You know, we talked about the sand a little bit. Uh, did you expect to see that much sand up here? No, this is uh, very much different from the Canadian experiences that I've had so far. You know, like a lot of guys, I've spent a lot of time kind of in Northwest Ontario, sunset country. Um, and even the flight up here was amazing. Uh, you know, especially as you fly over Lake Athabasca and come, come around the sand dunes. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, something that I, you know, you don't see anywhere else. I've never seen any place else. And then the amount of sand around this lake in terms of the sandy beaches, the sandy shorelines, and the cool topography as you look around. I mean, it's very rolling and hilly, and that's just nothing like I have ever experienced before. It's so cool. How was, uh, how, how was the pike fishing for you the other day when we got into the corner oh. of that bay? Boy, I just... I, I don't have enough positive things to say about that. Uh, you know, clearly it's, it's early in the season here. It's the very end of June, right? And so just like when you're fishing back home, you're trying to find the shallow water, trying to find the warmest water that's, that's available. And so once we finally found that water that was into the low 60s, here what, in the main lake, it's in the 40s or something right now, right? So you find that shallow water in the 60s, yeah, I, I just imagine the pike being stacked in there like cordwood, right? Because virtually every cast, you're able to hook up, or somebody in the boat was hooking up. And if you went more than three or four casts without getting bit, you started wondering what's wrong. Yeah. Well, what was wrong with that cast? That seemed part, you know, totally perfect. And you know, there was outstanding numbers, really good size. You know, uh, we saw we saw fish that were well into the 40-inch class. Very old fish. We saw one with a bunch of moss or something growing on its back. I mean, that was an old pike. Uh, we were able to catch. You know, a number of really quality fish in the in the mid to upper 30s. Then when you're catching them on spinning tackle uh, in shallow water, those fish are all charged up, eating like crazy. Yeah, uh, that's really a lot of fun. We actually had one fish that had the tail of a pike sticking out of its gullet, and of course it had eaten one of our live target yellow perch jerk baits. I mean, that was a fish that was in there for one reason, and that was to load up, stock up. You also caught, I think you were using the rattle bait, the live target rattle bait, got two trebles on it. You had a pike on each one? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so we had, uh, they, and they were smaller fish, but I, I'm, I'm virtually positive. I felt the first fish hit, and then the second one come in and try to steal it away from his buddy, <laughs> right? It's like that, I want to eat that too. And so I got them both close to the boat and saw that there were two fish on there. Of course, by the time we kind of get our cameras organized and stuff, we weren't able to capture that. But just another, you know, another cool experience that you're just not going to have virtually any place else. I think, actually, no, I think it was the jerk bait, wasn't it? I no, think it was the yellow perch jerk bait. The yep, jerk bait. Right. And I mean, that's what, that's four inches? I mean, what, how long do you think that is? Yeah, I think that's about right. Four yeah. inch, and two pike come up. Two pike came up, up and ate it. it. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Well, what do you think, we're not quite done with the trip here. I mean, by the time this airs, you'll be, you'll be back home, but we're not quite done with the trip here. What do you think's been a highlight so far for you? Well, I, it might be hard for me to put my finger on exactly one thing. I, I kind of look at the whole, at the holistic camp experience, right? It's not just, it's not just a big fish, and cer but certainly people come up here for that chance at that fish of a lifetime. For me, I try to take in everything because every, everybody has a role to play, 
Like when I coach hockey, that's what I tell my kids. Everybody's got a role to play in this team. And maybe you're a goal scorer. Maybe you're a really powerful defender. Maybe you're just a, you know, a confident presence on the ice here. And I look at what goes on here at camp as being like a hockey team, right? N nothing works if you don't have awesome food. And Taz and Lake Lodge has got incredible food. Uh, all, you know, all three meals, whether it's a hot breakfast, an outstanding shore lunch, uh, you know, dinner that was, would just knock your socks off, uh, that's incredible. The, the facilities are great in terms of you know, warm, comfortable place to sleep without having bugs all around you. Uh, big stack of firewood so you can kind of warm your bones at the end of the day. Uh, great boats that give you confidence when you're on the water. It's not like you're sort of trapped in your seat. You'd move around and fight fish and do whatever you need to uh, in that respect. Uh, great guides that are, you know, very well versed in, in the lake and what's working and what's not. And here's what we should do today. And hey, would you guys like to see this cool scenery? Hey, let's go check out this old mine. Let me take you through the lake in the middle of the island where you have flooded trees kind of guarding the passageway. And it just feels like you're going into an otherworldly place. It's all, every, all of those things have a role to play in the experience. And because they all work so well together, that's what makes a place like Tazen Tag Lake Lodge so great. If somebody says, hey, should I book a trip up here? What are you gonna tell them? Uh, resoundingly, yes. Huh. And, and I'm gonna try to say- And they're say, gonna say why, yeah. yeah. Why? Well, and I would say that first of all, you're gonna have a chance to, to chase fish and, and catch fish that you're not gonna have a chance to do any place else. Gigantic lake trout, shallow water pike, uh, it was fun sight fishing them, wasn't it? Oh, for sure. It, it, we, we had a fish that came up and ate the fly right in front of us, mm -hmm. right? Just a couple of twitches, and here comes this big fish, hunts it, looks at it, and engulfs it, right? You know, a rod length and a half away from the boat, and the water's so clear, you just see everything, right? Uh, the fishing is extraordinary. The, the facilities are outstanding. Uh, getting here is an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Take, en enjoy yeah. the adventure, right? Yeah. Embrace that. Have that be part of it. And uh, and if you can if you can gain value and perspective and enjoyment and all of that stuff, then Taz and Lake Lodge is the place for you. Yeah. What do you got coming up for the technological angler? Oh boy. Well, you know, one of the nice things about techno the the technological angler business is that fishing technology continues to evolve at a pace that I don't think people could have appreciated that it would 10 years ago, right? All the companies are coming out with outstanding new tools to help people find and catch more fish. And, and what we try to do with all that stuff is, is teach people that your graph is more than just pressing the power button or looking at the map, right? We wanna teach people to harvest the power that all of their technology has for them. And so for us, what that means is that you know, as new products come out, we have to continue to evolve too, in terms of helping people learn the latest and greatest. And so that's that's what we do. Every you know, every year, every two years, we're constantly updating everything we do so people can stay completely abreast of what's going on in the fishing technology world. What do you think is going to be the next game changer? Oh boy! Well, you know that uh, live sonar is really something that is that is exploding onto the scene. It really. It was, it was first applied really well in the bass market uh, in terms of the tournament bass anglers being able to uh, see what's out in front of them and cast to specific targets, cast to specific fish. Uh, we loved it last winter uh, for ice fishing, 
and being able to, like for example, monitor a string of, um, of set lines, tip-up lines that might be running down a weed line and see pike, see walleyes come in and swim around that weed line and go and inspect individual baits and see those fish bite and fight and things like that. I think that the live sonar is really compelling. Something that is, is available in saltwater fisheries would be a uh, kind of a live sonar that, that looks out in a 360 degree array. And so there'll be, there'll be sonar elements that are constantly broadcasting and receiving, looking all around the boat. And here you have charter captains, guys out on, on larger vessels, and they're able to target specific fish. Now we're talking about larger fish, right? Sailfish, uh, big tuna, things like that. I think that it won't be too much longer until we see something like that in the, in the freshwater, smaller boat market as well. And that'll just be another thing that helps people find and catch more fish. I think that one of the things we need to do as anglers who embrace that technology is also be cognizant of the impact that it has too. Right. Um, you know, we, when we start thinking about using live sonar uh, to do, say, ice fishing for crappies, right? We all know that crappies are gonna pile up into the edges of the deep holes in the lake, those crappie holes, those deep basin areas. And to a certain extent, even though people know where those basins are and can see them on a, on a topographical map or something, uh, to a certain extent, those fish, when they feel pressure from angling or just from noise up above, they can kind of swim to areas where that pressure is less and kind of get away from it. But now with live sonar, you know, you might have a couple of anglers who are using live imaging to not only find fish now, but track them as they move around. And so those fish can really be under a lot of pressure. And mm -hmm. so it's really up to us to make sure that that technology is used to our advantage to have more fun and catch more fish around the water, but also be aware of the impact that has on fisheries. And so instead of saying on a group of crappies all day, right? Go out there and have fun, chase them down, catch fish for a few hours, and then you know what? Let's move down to the next deep hole down the way, or let's let's change lakes, or let's change species and chase something else rather than having, you know, such a profound, prolonged impact on those fisheries. Because of course, up where we live in our part of the world, you know, the growing season is short, and uh, and if we hit those fish too hard, it may take it may take a long time for those fisheries to recover. So a person has to be aware of those things when they are looking at their graph and using their tools and having fun, let's make sure that we don't wreck it for next year or next decade or for our kids or grandkids. Well, for those people that talk about technology ruining it and destroying the resources and things like that, obviously there's room for technology and there's places. We may have to lower some limits yep. or do some more restrictions, which nobody wants to see that either. So some self-policing, some volunteer, you know, uh, lowering limits yourself or whatever. Don't take a limit every time you go out. Right. It's really important these days. And all you have to do is look at a lake like this that we're on right now, Tazan, and, and see what a lake with no fishing pressure and no commercial nets, what that does for a fishery. Yep. And how we do all catch and release on our big fish. We handle them safe. We try to take it easy on them. And uh, we limit the number of guests up here. And I mean, I always joke about when you fish in Canada, whether it's here or where, in most lakes in Canada, it's almost like cheating. And that's just because there's so much less pressure right. on the lakes than there, are, than there are back home, Minnesota and Wisconsin. So <clears throat> it takes a toll. I mean, you get mad at the DNR all you want when they lower limits or put restrictions on there, but most of the time there's good reasons for it. Right. And slot limits, if you, if you look at, say, Lake of the Woods or something, a leech lake, some of those lakes, those slot limits are the best thing that happened to those lakes.
especially yep. when you took away some of that commercial fishing and put some restrictions on there. So what do you think about, uh, particularly when you look at say tournament angling, when it comes to technology, is there going to be a limit? Is there, how do you, how do you, how do you say, nope, you can't use that piece of equipment out here? I, you know, I, well, first of all, I think that there won't, ev there won't ever get to a point where tournaments start banning advanced technology. And, and I think the reason for that is that the tournaments rely on Sponsors. the companies yeah. to help pay the bills, right? And sure. If the companies are making those tools, they want to have a platform to help publicize and sell them. I think what, what we may see over time is you end up with, um, let's say in a, in a large tournament circuit like BASS or something like that, where they might have a division where it's no holds barred you know, if, if it's available, you can have it on your boat. And they might have a division that says, well, you know, here are the things that we don't allow here. We don't allow live sonar. We don't allow this. We don't allow that. And that I might... think they should have a blindfolded division. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has to wear a Every, Or dark, real dark sunglasses, right? <laughs> uh, but I think that, that is, that's a possibility. Actually, I had a chance to fish in a, in a small boat tournament circuit back home in Wisconsin for a couple years where you were limited to 17 feet and 90 horses, oh. right? And so that kind of takes your Ranger 620 with a 250 on the back out of the equation. And it lets guys that might have felt a little intimidated uh, about going toe-to-toe -to -toe with some of those people feel like, oh, now I got a shot because everybody around me has got a 50-horse tiller as well. And mm. so now the playing field is, is even for us. But I don't think we're ever going to get the, to the point where those tools are barred completely because the tournament circuits, the professional anglers need to be able to help sell those products yeah. that people like Humminbird, Garmin, Lowrance are, are coming out with and, and, and want people to use. Yeah, for sure. I think you should have a tournament where it's all paper graphs. The oh ones yeah, the old school, right? Everybody has to use one of those. Right, and maybe one roll of paper. That's all you got for today, <laughs> <Wonderful>. man. <laughs> That's great. Well, uh, it was fun having you up here. I'm glad oh. you guys could make it. Yeah, but I, we, I, I've had an outstanding time, and, and I'm already thinking about how to get back up there next year. <laughs> That's right. They were saying they want to stay another five days. Yeah. <laughs> find a way to stay up here. That's a, that's a common sentiment when people are getting ready to leave. Well, where can we find Technological Angler online? Sure. So we have a, we have a big web presence, so technologicalangler.com. Uh, big social media presence on, on Facebook, the Technological Angler, YouTube, the Technological Angler as well. And so whether you like to see pictures, whether you want to read articles all for free, whether you want to you know, help us out and, and purchase one of our uh, one of our training tools or, or, or attend one of our live seminars that we have during the winter or spring months. You'll be able to find uh, all the information on all those things there. Now, I hated school. So you're a teacher. Is it is it like yeah. going to school, watching your stuff? Or? Well, I, I think that, <laughs> no, I, I think that to a certain extent, it might be a tad bit dry, right? Not nearly as entertaining. But it's educational. You, but though, it's educational. Is, and yeah. we're, we're trying to teach people. And so well, I, I will say that we try to teach them in the context of fishing. And I mean, sure. it, you got to try pretty hard to ruin a fishing trip. So <laughs> that's, right. that's what we, that's what we try to do. But for example, our, um, when we have our day long training seminars, that's a lot like going to school. How does that work? Yeah. So in the, in the winter and spring months, we travel around the upper Midwest and we hold, um, day long fishing, but well, not fishing seminars, but marine electronic seminars where people learn how to use Humminbird. We, we work exclusively with Humminbird in that context. Uh, Humminbird fish finders, pretty much starting at how do I turn it on and off, 
all the way to how do I make fine-tuned adjustments when I'm on the water to my side imaging or my live imaging so that I can better see the fish against rocks or against a weed bed or something like that. So we can take people from really not knowing much of anything about the graph to giving them a lot of confidence in being ready, being ready to go. We, we publish our own um, training manuals. Hmm. Uh, we set people up in a nice uh, hotel conference room and we do, I think we do a pretty good job. We've been doing that almost for 10 years now. So oh, wow. we know what we're doing. All right. And that's, is that in Wisconsin there or do you do yeah, that we, all over? We, we've, we've been in uh, Illinois, Iowa, North Dakota, Minnesota and Wisconsin. Kind of our bread and butter is that, uh, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin area, but we do travel all around and we've even gone and done um, smaller workshops to groups that, that want to have us in. Hey guys, we can't, we can't travel to Chippewa Falls to hear one of your workshops. We'd love for you to come down to Des Moines and do a workshop just for our club. Would you do that? Heck yeah. Let's get it on the schedule and let's go. All right, so you're gonna have to help me with uh, this unit that I got sitting down here. Do my so best. Let's go work on that, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get back to fishing here. Jason, thanks for uh, being a part of this. I'm so happy. Thanks, Brett, for having me up, and uh, let's go catch a big one. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you missed any part of the show and want to listen to it again, or maybe hear an extended version of some of these interviews, you can download the podcast. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. Or you can watch this show on YouTube or Facebook. Search for Sporting Journal Radio.